This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, let's first of all look to the Lord. Father, thank you so much for being a teaching God to us this morning. Lord, you want us to be taught. You want us to understand. You want us to remember what you teach us. So help us this morning, Lord, to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Matthew 14, 22. 14, 22. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is odd, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Okay, now we're just now at the point where the Lord Jesus has, he's fed the 5,000. The disciples are trying to process everything that's just happened with this feeding of the 5,000. The people are trying to process what just happened. And we can imagine how the scene is chaotic right now. And then in the midst of this chaos, the Lord Jesus is not just passive, but he swings into action And in verse 22, it says straightway he constrains. He's like pushing his disciples, get into the ship, go before him the other side while he sent the multitude away. So this word straightway in verse 22, it just carries this feeling of this immediate action that's going on. And we can imagine the disciples thinking, wait a minute, 
We just started out this day in verse 15 where we said, send the multitude away. And now we're in verse 22. And now he sent the multitude away. And we wanted to send them away earlier. And the Lord said in verse 16, said they need not depart. And then in verse 19, he commanded them to sit down. And now there's this rush to send the multitude away. Get into a boat, cross the lake. What's going on? They're thinking. And this is all about giving the disciples an understanding. You know, it's kind of like school. It's kind of like the class is over and it's time for the new class to begin. So just like at school, just like when you attend school, you sit down at a class and you listen to the lesson very carefully and then the bell rings, it's time to get up and go to the next class for the next lesson. You can't just sit around in the old class. And the bell's wrong, yeah, he gets in in a, the first classroom here, this hillside, with the feeding of the 5,000. And that class has ended, now the bell is rung, and the disciples must hurry on now to the next class, which will be in a boat on a lake in Galilee. That's where the next lesson's gonna be taught. So the disciples have just experienced this feeding of the 5,000, in which the whole experience was all about an understanding, what they learned, what they had to remember. It wasn't for their just present entertainment, this was something that they were to take away. And the challenge is whether or not they understood what happened in the feeding of the 5,000, whether or not they would remember what they understood, because later on he's going to say to them in Matthew 16, 9, Matthew 16, 9, do you not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? You know, I have a couple of grandkids that took their final exams this last couple of weeks. They graduated from high school over the last two weeks. So this matter of finals, graduation is fresh on my mind. Presence. Anyway, so the disciples are in school and there was a specific understanding that they were never to forget about the feeding of the 5,000. And in the school of the Lord Jesus, in his school, you don't cram for exam and forget it after. That's not what he's after. The final exam is taken. You forget everything. He used to work for us and he was in uh, Romania when it was under communist rule, and, and he went to university. He had to learn Russian, partly because it was under communist rule. He had to learn Russian. He told me the day, the day they took their final exam, they all went onto the roof of the school and burned their Russian books. They wanted to forget it. So that's not in the school of the Lord Jesus. In Matthew 16, 9, when he said, do you not understand, neither remember? So the Lord Jesus is checking up. With the students later on, he's going to make sure they remember. It reminds me of my grandson, Jeremy, just graduated from Valhalla, not in El Cajon. And believe me, he was my grandson. That was not easy to get him through. It was a real touch and go whether or not he would put that gown on. And over the last two years, he had a wonderful teacher, counselor, Mrs. Kissel, who took a special interest in Jeremy and had Jeremy sit next to her in her classes, and she emailed him during the summers just to make sure he remembered what he learned. Well, the Lord Jesus is this type of wonderful teacher, counselor that checks up on his students, was saying to his disciples in Matthew 16, 9, do you not understand nor remember? So he challenged them with what they understood, the lessons that they were taught in the feeding of the 5,000 and where they remembered it. Their understanding came essentially from eight lessons that came from eight statements made during the time of the feeding of the 5,000. And those eight statements that would carry the lessons to them, that would carry the understanding to them were first, send them away. 
That was the first statement. That was a statement of uninvolvement. The natural man does not want to get involved with other people's problems. It's their problem they didn't bring food. Send them away. The second statement was they need not depart. That was the Lord saying involvement. That's the word involvement. God wants us to become involved in the problems of others. Give you them to eat, they heard. Give you them to eat. That was a statement of faith. Faith attempts the impossible. There's no food here, but give them to eat. The next statement was, whence shall we? That was a statement of looking to God, Godward focused. The only resources that they needed were God. The next statement was not sufficient for them. Not sufficient for them. That would, the, the word there is humanly, humanly speaking. Human resources are never sufficient for the great needs of life. The next statement was, what are they among so many? That was a word belittle, belittle. It was a statement of belittling. Unbelief is blind to see how God needs nothing to operate. The next statement was, make the men sit down. That was the word expectation. Faith sits down and waits in expectation for God to work. And then the last statement of the learning there, that class was, bring them hither to me. That's the word trust. That's where the Lord is saying, bring your problems to me and trust me that I'll take care of them. Those are the lessons. Those are the eight lessons from the feeding of the 5,000. Eight lessons from eight phrases. Eight lessons from eight words. Uninvolvement, faith, Godward, humanly, belittle, expectation, and trust. And this is the point of the 5,000. It was to give the disciples an understanding of who they are and who Christ is. Who they are without God Those are the words, uninvolved, humanly, belittling. It was to give the the disciples in that lesson, in that class, an understanding who they were to become, who they were to become. Those were the goals in their lives, the words of involvement, faith, God word, expectation, trust. But most of all, the feeding of the 5,000 was to give the disciples an understanding who the Lord Jesus is who the Lord Jesus is. It was to help them to understand, to really to gain the knowledge that he is the person of John 1.3. John 1.3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The feeding of the 5,000 was really teaching the disciples that the Lord Jesus is the creator, that creator who takes nothing and makes something, as he took the nothing of five barley loaves and a few fish and created a hundred donkey carts full of bread and fish. The feeding of the 5,000 was all about the lessons to be learned. The hillside where the feeding of the 5,000 took place was one giant classroom for the disciples to teach them the lessons. You need to be involved. You need to have faith. You need to look Godward. You need to expect. You need to trust. Now, bell's rung. Class is over. Time to leave. Next class is about to begin. And the Lord is going to bring them into another giant classroom of a lake of Galilee. And they're going to learn many things here about how the Lord Jesus is the Lord of nature is one of the things. Isn't this exciting? This is you and I. We get to do distance learning here. (laughs) Nice. This classroom on the lake of Galilee and we don't get wet. So what we see in verse 22 is Professor Jesus quickly hurrying his class of disciples into the next classroom when it says in verse 22, straightway 
Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. And we can just imagine hearing the Lord Jesus say to his disciples, he gets them into the boat, hurry up, you're going to be late for the next class on the lake. So that's how we see verse 22, and that's how it applies to us. We see Professor Jesus hurrying us into the next classroom of life, the next classroom of life. This is our life. Our life is a classroom. We're going from one classroom to another, where our problems are no different from the 5,000 with no food or a boat full of peril and about to sink in the sea. Our classrooms might be in our families. Our classrooms might be at our work. Our classrooms might be in front of a doctor in a doctor's office or in a hospital. All classrooms like hillsides, hillsides with no food or lakes with great storms. Professor Jesus is bringing us into these classrooms of life so that he can teach us. Our problems in life are the classrooms in which the Lord Jesus is going to teach us. And another reason, by the way, there's another reason why he was, why, why the bums rush, why he was giving them a rush to, and getting himself away, and it's because what we're told in John 6.14, John 6.14, that during this time in John 6.14, it says, then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus uh, therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself. And when the evening was now come, his disciples went down into the sea. So this was also happening and going on at this time. This was not his time to become the king of Israel to conquer Israel's enemies. That'll come later, just a little later, about 2,000 years later, but not right now. Right now was the time for the people to make him their personal king of their lives, king of thy life, king of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall thy glory be. Now is the, it's not the time to take him by force and make him a political king. Okay, now finally, he has his students in the classroom of their boat, and he has the multitudes gone, and so now what's he going to do? Verse 23, verse 23, when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. So up into a mountain? Alone to pray? There's so much to do. There were multitudes in need of healing, instruction, and correction from all that wrong teaching of years of their lives of the Pharisees, and he goes into a mountain about alone to pray? What about the multitudes who need him now? There were just disciples alone in a ship. A storm's about to break on them. He goes into a mountain alone to pray? What about the disciples who need him now? We see, with all these pressures on him of the needs of the people, he chooses to go up into a mountain alone to pray to God. Is that the best use of his time? And it was, because that was the best use of his time, and that was the best use of Mary's time in Luke 10, 38. Luke 10, 38. Now it came to pass as they went, and he entered into a certain village. A certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she help me. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, 
Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Mary was under a lot of pressure of what needed to be done, and a lot of pressure from a sister who was well aware of what needed to be done and what she needed to do. And Mary made a choice, a tough choice, a choice to focus her attention on the Lord Jesus, on what the Lord Jesus was teaching, what he was saying, a choice to spend time with the Lord. Mary's choice was called needful. Mary's choice was called the good part. Mary's choice was called was 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 called protected and promised that it would never be taken away from her. And here in verse 23, just like Mary, the Lord has made a choice. He's made a choice to go up into a mountain to spend time alone in prayer. It's a needful choice, it's a good part choice, and none of the multitude there are gonna take that choice away from him, and no disciple's gonna take that choice away from him. Because just like Mary, and just like the Lord, we have a choice in life. We have a choice in life to spend time alone with God or dive into the urgent and say to God, uh, later God, hold that thought, God. Uh, I'll be right back. Hold that word, Lord. I promise I'll be back to listen to you, but right now I really need to, so many things to fill the blank in with. But not Mary and not the Lord Jesus because one thing was needful, prayer was needful, and the Bible is needful, just like the hymn says, how long has it been since you talked with the Lord and told him your heart's hid secrets? How long since you prayed? How long since you stayed on your knees till the light shone through? How long has it been since your mind felt at ease? How long since your heart knew no burden? Can you call him your friend? How long has it been since you knew he cared for you? How long has it been since you knelt by your bed and prayed to the Lord up in heaven? How long since you knew that he'd answer you and would keep you the night through? So Jehovah Jesus made a promise to Mary that if she made that choice, put God first, and sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word, she'd be protected. And no one, no one would take that choice away from her. And that was the promise that, she, that, he, that, she, that he made to Mary, and, and, and she could take that to the bank. That was a take-to-the-bank promise. And Jehovah Jesus made a similar promise to all the men of Israel when they were called to leave their homes, go to Jerusalem three times a year in the spring at Passover, in the summer at Shavuot, or let's see, you call it first, first fruits, and in the fall at Sukkot. Three times of the year. Israel then, at that time, is no different then than it is today. They were surrounded by enemies. Enemies that were wanting the land of Israel, no different than today. We can hear the Palestinians. Israel, nothing has changed in 3,500 years. Enemies all around Israel waiting for their opportunity to find some land unoccupied, unprotected, that they could just go take, take it, annex it, steal it. 
And think of all those Jewish people who lived on the border of Israel. They had their farms on the border of Israel, on the border of their enemies. And just think of how vulnerable their land was. Enemies looking down their throats, watching and waiting, waiting for the time when their lands and their farms would be unoccupied, unguarded, unprotected. You never, ever, ever left your land unguarded. You never, ever, ever left your homes unguarded. When, not when you're surrounded by your enemies that want to take them. You never, ever, never, ever leave your land, your homes, your farms alone, unprotected. Or else you could expect to come back and find out no longer your land, your farm, your home. And this was the pressure that every Jewish man was under. And with that pressure... God said to them in Exodus 23, Exodus 23, 14, Exodus 23, 14, God said, three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days as I commanded thee in the time appointed in the month Abib. For in it thou camest out from Egypt. None shall appear before me empty. And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, which is the end of the year, when thou shalt gather, thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. Three times in the year, all thy males shall appear before the Lord God. <clears throat> That's what he said. Exodus 23, 14. Three, three. Thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. Three times. Exodus 23, 17. Three times in the year all thy males shall appear before, appear before the Lord God. Three times in the year. Three times in the year. All the males leave their homes, go to Jerusalem, Passover in the spring, Shavuot in the summer, and Sukkot in the fall. Can you imagine the pressure? you imagine the pressure that's put on all the men of Israel? They had to leave their lands, they had to leave their homes, they had to leave their farms three times in a year. And it was set times of the year. And their enemies weren't stupid. They had calendars too. And they could mark on their calendars these dates. It's their Passover in spring. They'll be gone. It's their, shavu, their, their uh, first fruits in, uh, in, in the summer. They'll be gone. It's their in-gathering, Sukkot, in the fall. They'll be gone. No secret. Their, their enemies knew the exact dates when their houses, their lands, their farms would be vacant, vacant, free for, free for the taking, completely unguarded, completely vulnerable. Can you imagine the men saying to God, what are you asking me to do? Leave my land and my farm and my home so my enemies can take it? Leave it every year, three times at the same time every year? How can I do that? And God said, it's my command, which is now your choice. And that's the way it works with God. He's not forcing them. Three times of the year, I'm commanding you, but I'm not forcing you. I'm just commanding you to leave your homes, your lands, your farms, and come to Jerusalem. Now, what is your choice? What is your choice? Will you make the needful choice to come to me in Jerusalem? Will you choose the better part to come to me in Jerusalem? I won't force you. Will you choose me? How important am I to you? Lovest thou me more than thy land? 
Lovest thou me more than thy farm? Lovest thou me more than your home? And that's what God's asking us. Trust. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.